Welcome back to the Flow Performance Podcast. My name is Ricky Dan, founder of Flow Nutrition. On today's episode, we continue the chat with the one and only Mackenzie Baker. Mac is an accredited sports nutritionist with a postgrad diploma in performance nutrition and has recently completed a master's in sport and exercise nutrition. He has recently published one of the first ever research papers in surfing nutrition and is honestly one of the best in the business. In this episode, he provides us with more sports nutrition advice that you'll know what to do with. It is jam-packed with tips on how to fuel properly before and during exercise, how to maximize recovery, and strategies to help promote general healthy eating. We also dive into what it means to follow an evidence-based approach and how to navigate through the overwhelming amount of nutritional bullshit that you most likely see on social media. There is actually so much practical and helpful information in this chat. So unless you're driving or at work, I'd probably suggest getting a pen and paper handy if you want to jot down some notes. If you do find it valuable, don't hesitate to share it with a mate, post it up on your Instagram story and tag Flow Performance Podcast. We really do appreciate any support in getting this content out into the world. So let's get stuck in. Here is part B with Mackenzie Baker. That sort of leads into your master's that you're currently completing. Um, you are doing a research component in energy availability for surfers. Now, as someone who is also conducting research in surfing, I know that there is very little research in surfing itself. And then there is shit all research in surfing nutrition, essentially. So the world is your oyster when you are picking your nutritional topic. So yeah. why did you go with low energy availability in surfers? So I think it's important to define low energy availability first. So energy availability is how much energy you have left over after training or exercise has been taken care of. And when I say energy, I'm talking about calories. So think about all the calories you eat minus the calories that you use for training and or surfing or exercise in any form. What is left over? Now, if the amount left over falls below a certain point, you start to see physiological decline. Um, so various consequences that can be actually quite severe on health and performance and well-being. Now, there's a threshold that we use. Uh, there's a calculation. And once it goes below a threshold, that's deemed low energy availability. So why did I want to investigate low energy availability in surfers? So there's a few reasons. Number one, energy availability is a hot topic in sports nutrition right now. There's been a lot of research in other sports, some of which are similar in characteristics as far as like the physical demands and the calorie burn to surfing. Um, so there's reason to believe from that alone that surfers might be at risk. Also, as a surfer myself, I know that surfing can be, whilst heavily influenced by conditions, so, you know, it's one foot, you're sitting out there with a couple blokes having a chat, like the, the, the old male guys are like in their 60s. You're not doing anything. You're burning hardly any calories. But then you can be at Kira when it's six foot, there's 200 guys out, and there's this massive sweep running, right? And the thing is, like, I know that surfing can burn surprisingly a lot of calories. You know, when you think about that day out at Kira, 
Like you are hammering yourself. It's like a marathon, but because you're so eager to get a wave mm. and the focus is like so elsewhere, you just keep going. And yeah. you're basically doing a marathon without even realizing how hard you're working. That's the key part. You never realize because yeah. you're having fun, you're duck diving, you're surfing, you're getting wiped yeah, yeah. out. There's so much to it. If, if you converted that into running terms, you'd get home and go, holy shit, I just ran longer than a marathon some days. It's, it's yeah. crazy. You are pushing yourself. Yeah. Um, and then these days, like up and coming junior surfers and competitive surfers, they're doing extra training. Um, they're going to the gym, they're going doing their cardio, they're doing all these things, right? So that's another activity thing that they're doing. Now, I thought about this and I thought, oh, I reckon there's something there. So I started to see, is there research in surfing? And I went in PubMed and I was like, there's no way there's going to be anything. Like surfers reject any government like science like surfers just not interested they want to follow what joe rogan says they want to follow whatever like alana blanchard says on a youtube um you know they want to do that there's no way there's any research in surfing this is not happening but i was hopeful because you know surfing's in the olympics now we have bodies like surfing australia and like all these sort of things and i was like okay so i was i was like there's research there is research and there's research looking at the physical demands we've got heart rate data We've got estimations of calorie burn, estimations, so limited. But the consensus or the overall picture from that research is that surfing is a high-intensity sport with high-intensity – surfing is a high-intensity aerobic sport, so like a cardio-style sport, with bouts of high-intensity – like high-intensity bouts within. So basically it's like in layman's terms, how can I explain this? It's like – You've read that word for word from Ollie's article because I've read that thing a <laughs> well, thousand times. Well, that wasn't word for word. It, oh, like, it was pretty close. Like that, yeah. Shout so, out Dr. Oliver Farley. Thank yeah, you for that I'll come research, to that mate. in a second. So um, basically the consensus is surfing is a really high intensity sport. You're constantly moving, but then you'll do like a bout of real quick aggressive sprinting, like paddling for a wave or, or, or even the act of being on the wave is like can be quite intense, all that sort of stuff. And I was like, there's actually some research here, uh, most of it, is done by Ollie Farley, let's be honest, like a good chunk of it at least. Um, and I kept seeing this name Farley popping up on these papers. I was like, who's this Farley book? Somehow I like, I searched, I think I surfed surf, searched surf coaches just on Instagram. And then somehow I ended up finding the surf Pentagon. And then I saw something like a podcast that Dr. Ollie did with uh, Dr. Steve Duhigg. And I was like, that's that Farley guy. That's who that dude is who I keep seeing on the papers. And then, you know, started interacting with him. Next minute, we're in the Mentawise on a surf trip. <laughs> what the hell's going on with you? How um, good. So, yeah, that's, that's beside the point. So, yeah, yeah, I have reason to believe that there is a high probability that surfers are at risk of long-term availability. And another reason why I think that is the case is because sponsored surfers – are sponsored by clothing brands typically. Like that's the main sponsor. They have contractual obligations to do things like photo shoots. Uh, they want to keep up a cool, fit, surfy, surfer image and, and appearance. Um, so all of these things together like drive this lack of willingness to potentially be open to eating like an endurance cyclist. And even though even – it's funny because endurance cyclists know about this stuff. Like a lot of them do. And they still are at low energy availability because – they, they struggle to gain it, like get through it psychologically or even just practically it's a lot of food. So based on all of this, I see reason to believe that there's a high probability that surfs are at low energy availability. So I'm like, let's research it. Let's do my masters on this and discover whether this is actually the case. 
Love it. That's and then it. Add on top of that, another layer is all of the the in trendy diets at the moment. They're all so restrictive. So a lot of them are just restricting themselves from and excluding themselves from these major food groups, which are going to help so much when you just simply need like calories in versus calories out. So that that can't be helping. Yeah. See. Like when we think diets, well, technically a diet is just the food you eat. But when we think about diets in like a colloquial, colloquial, do I even say that right? You know what I'm saying? Colloquial. Colloquial. Yeah, colloquial. yeah whatever that is. <laughs> um, we think like weight loss diets. You know, we think keto, we think the Atkins diet, we think the vegan diet or not necessarily weight loss, but just diets that have parameters around them. Like you can't, the carnivore diet, you can't eat plants. So this lends itself to people trying to lose weight. And when we're trying to lose weight, fundamentally, we're trying to restrict calories. Now, for someone who surfs multiple hours a day, then does additional exercise, um, who also is under the pressure to sustain a certain image, it's very hard to eat enough. So the right tool for the job is to try and adopt a dietary pattern that's going to facilitate the ingestion of more calories, not less. So dieting, the definition, how we think about it, kind of goes against that. So there's all these trends that people are thinking, oh, it's going to improve my health. It's going to improve my health. And like <laughs> the thing for an athlete is that the worst thing that you can do for your health is not eat enough calories. Mm. That is worse than eating a junk food diet. Yeah. Because the consequences of not eating enough calories are so profound. So you're, you're literally better off having a diet that is full of Maccas and KFC that hits the required calories than a quote unquote clean diet that doesn't. And, you know, there's... There's trends in surfing to follow fads, you know, and I hear people from Hawaii like doing these weird acai bowl, the Coral Smith yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And like he's doing the carnival bit of like I saw mm. bits of carnivore in there, and then then you've got um, Alana Blanchard, yeah. hugely influential over female younger female surfers. Like cut out all of these foods; it has to be unprocessed which cuts out all these high-calorie foods. So the diet becomes very high in fiber and low-calorie per bite foods. And this is so difficult. Like it is near impossible for someone to consume enough calories when they adopt these diet patterns if they are like a, you know, someone who is very active like a surfer. Mm. It's so frustrating that surfing is the community that have just chosen to follow these diets because after immersing myself in like the triathlon world and the running world, like I would argue Ironman athletes are some of the world's best athletes that currently exist. And yeah. They eat absolute quote unquote garbage. They have lollies and Red Bulls and all this stuff when they, when they train because they understand that principle that it is calories at the end of the day. And it just blows my mind that surfers, you know, they're expending nearly the same amount of energy, if not more than these triathletes who are training seven days a week. Because let's admit it, most of us surf six or seven yeah. days a week. And yet they go, no, can't eat this, can't eat this. There's a big, it depends like in terms of how many calories a surfer is going to burn. Like not all surfers should be adopting a similar diet pattern to an endurance cyclist. Like what we're talking about here is like competitive surfers who are training, who are surfing a lot who are literally athletes. They're the surfers we're targeting here. If, we, if your name's, you know, Bill and you're 55 and you're riding a, you know, an eight foot 20 and you're going out there and just talking with the blokes and doing your morning ritual, like, no, this doesn't but apply to you. How about if, if your name's Ricky and you're 27 years <laughs> old and you surf 
few days a week, yeah. but you also gym, run, play social touch. Is that the sort of thing as well, though, when you need to just yeah. get getting calories? I can't like speak to the exact degree, and that would also be quite arbitrary or subjective to how aggressive you would go with. Like, think about it on a spectrum. You've got like, you know, Sally who's got a very uh, inactive lifestyle who's trying to lose weight, like a mum, for example, who would really need to try and control their calories. Like, doesn't do much exercise they're a little bit overweight. They just want to lose weight and like that sort of general health weight loss diet. And the other end of the spectrum, you've got the, we basically need to shove in as many calories as we can. So yeah. tour de France, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Now the, where Ricky would sit on that spectrum compared to, you know, Ryan who's 21 and on the QS, it's like, it's going to depend. Like I can't really speak to that. And um, then within that, it also depends on how the surf conditions are, how often you're doing it. Cause that fluctuates heaps as well. Right. And, yeah, sorry, you're good. Yeah, like averages over time is the thing though. So surf conditions obviously change, but if you surf a lot and if you're very active in the water and if you also do other exercise on the side and if you're like even a tradie or something, you know, your lifestyle as well, you know, these are all these things that you want to think about. And surfers aren't really aware that in some cases, like the diet pattern should probably be similar to that of an endurance cyclist, a high-level endurance cyclist. And, you know, surfers aren't open to this, let's have Cocoa Pops and things, you know, and I'm, look, I just want to really make it clear. I'm not sitting here and saying that if you're an active surfer, you should just eat shit all the time. I'm, I'm still advocating for a whole food focused diet. All I'm saying is just tick the boxes for the whole foods. You know, your 400 grams of veggies, your 300 grams of fruit, your whole grains, like get the requirements of them in. But when it comes to making up more calories, that's when you can be like, what's the easiest way I can get calories in? So yeah, have your morning oats with fruit, but then let's layer on some Biscoff spread. Let's have some juice with it. Let's get a sports drink in after the surf. You know, let's go and have muesli bars. Let's go and have LCM bars, Nutri-Grain bars. Like just get the calories in on top of that whole food foundation, which is a constant and doesn't change because yes, micronutrients, fiber, and these also these things are you know they play key roles in various bodily functions and are really important to human health and how we act and how we feel how we recover how we perform. But what I'm trying to make is whether you're obviously like whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to gain weight, whether you're trying to maintain performance and recovery, where you're trying to even just promote physiological function, all of these things rest upon energy presence. So calorie intake. You. And the thing is, surfers are not privy to how much they really could potentially need to eat. And I say a lot of these things like with potentially, probably, you know, I can't say things with great certainty because we just don't have that research yet. This is all based on, you know, theory and what we've observed in other sports. And yeah. yeah, And the thing is triathlons, even CrossFitters these days. So CrossFits like used to be paleo. Mm. These days, no, it's evidence-based. CrossFitters know that they need to eat carbs. Mm. They know that they need, they they should be eating sports, like drinking sports drinks. You know, they know that calories, let's get them in. They're not skipping snacks. They're, they're hammering calories, bagels with peanut butter and jam on them. No problems. I Sign heard someone does a retrospective study where they look at injury rates since they had that shift from that absolute yeah, bullshit diet they one. used to follow. Because every single person that I've ever known that does CrossFit stopped because they got injured. Whereas now they're following some sort of yeah. half decent dietary trends. Yeah, it's the same endurance sports. Like cycling has so much money behind it, especially if we think like, you know, Tour de France stuff. They've got sports dietitians and and companies and and money behind them and they're really trying to make sure that they get the best like 
like the bodies of cycling and all those sort of things and the teams and the they 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 know the importance of this so they're investing in it whereas with surfing they're like nah 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 what what do you mean nutrition mate just like it's funny because in in high level surfing like observing things that pros say on instagram or surfing influences which is the thing now say it's either like you know your freaking harry bryant's which i love harry bryant and, and those dudes like noah dean they are awesome they're like yeah mate i'm just smoking ciggies smashing forex goals like good as gold loving life meat pies awesome Okay, so there's either that, at least they're eating a lot of calories. I'll give them that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they're ticking um, that box. They're ticking that box. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have like the the more quote-unquote savvy surfers who like follow that Paul Saladino douchebag on Instagram and they're trying to find the new cutting edge. It's, it's, it's all about cutting edge. It's not about what is right or what is evidence-based. It's about what is the cutting edge thing. You know, reject science, reject government policy, everyone's out against out to get us it's all this conspiracy about big food and big this and that and you know there's this guy on instagram called the carnivore md and he's advocating for a meat-free diet so you know yep he's the man and you have these like high level influential pro professional surfers who are adopting things like bulletproof coffee you know and they are then you have the alana blanchards who's like yeah you know just let's just eat lots of plants and definitely, you know, fall short of various nutrient nutrient requirements. And you know, oh, but this is healthy. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna sit here and say that all the time it's unhealthy or that like you're inherently harming people. But there is a high probability that requirements are not met if you adopt these diet patterns, especially if you are a highly active athlete. Period. Well, that just goes back to. You know, the two analogies I really like is is just nailing the basics and focusing on the big rocks rather than the little pebbles. I think you, you say a lot. And, you know, I love this analogy because I use it in every part of my life. Um, for everyone listening, I, I promise you that you'll surprise the shit out of yourself if you just consistently um, focus on the big rocks. You know, all of my past achievements, my... Ironman triathlons, the ultra marathons, um, you know, even things like starting a business while completing a PhD. I have done all of that just through nailing the basics and focusing on those big rocks. I think that is just such a, it's such an underestimated thing. People are always after that. As you said, the cutting edge, new, innovative, groundbreaking way to make their problem easier, mm. which I think is yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of an analogy issue. that people are going to relate to, like the listeners. And I'm trying to think about surfboards. So, okay, let's think about the basics. If we're if we're like a re- like intermediate to advanced surfer, so you know, all right. Um, what are the big rocks when it comes to our surfboard? Okay, so uh, it's probably the right size. Um, it you know, has roughly the amount of volume that is, you know, aligns with how much we weigh. Um, we have, you know, just decent set of fins in it, like fiberglass fins, uh, and there's grip on the board, whether it be wax or whatever. Okay. These are the big rocks. Now, these things alone contribute to like 90% of you surfing your best in accordance with like what the surfboard will allow you to do. Okay. But then everyone is like, what's this latest like carbon spine tech bloody freaking 
rail epoxy what are these new fins with this like flex pattern and the you know oh which wax do i use do i use like sex wax or do you use like uh you know um what's the other one really good the the one that everyone froths over oh, fuck, what's it called foo wax yeah. like they're like oh this that and like oh do i get the the rip curl h like uh, e-bomb or whatever it's called or do i get the freaking like billabon graphene or whatever it is like all these little things which contribute like maybe a tiny portion to the overall outcome but in nutrition people stress about things like that but the difference is that they make no difference so for example do you have filtered water or tap water in the morning before you surf like this is something that maybe over a lifetime might make a marginal difference okay do you have organic food or organic meat versus non-organic meat again lifetime no difference and then there that's like there are things that possibly make a difference over a lifetime possibly then you have people doing things like let me have lemon water in the morning because it's going to like you know nurture my adrenals or some like narrative like this which is not true doesn't make sense this is something that you are doing. This is a parameter that you are placing on your diet. This is a task that you are forcing yourself to do every single day, which literally does fuck all. Like it does nothing. All it's doing is eroding your tooth enamel. So it's kind of like I'm trying to use a surfboard thing. Like imagine something to do with surfboards that like do you use an FCS fin key or a futures fin key? Like this is something that you're like you might stress over. Like someone might stress over, oh, it has to be futures because I just like the look of the key. Well, I don't know, like, but it makes no difference, you know? And like in nutrition, everyone's worried about that stuff. And hey, like, oh, my surfboard's like made for someone who's 10 kilos lighter than me. Oh, maybe I should worry about that first, you know? This could be controversial, but do you think it might just be, because the, the people that say that are often the people that, the one they're, they're not the, they're the ones that aren't taking action. So maybe they're just trying to make up these barriers to just prevent themselves from actually doing that thing in the first place them going oh no you've got to worry about all this shit before you do it whereas what my advice to people is like stop overcomplicating it just do the basic shit that's required drink the glass of water do this and get out there you don't have to worry about having your grass-fed butter fucking whatever coffee coffee fucking you know before you go out like i, I think people just overcomplicate everything when it comes to nutrition and training and just nailing the basics is going to work 99% of the time. So just go with that. That's just, that's just my opinion. But I mean, I think your point about there being like it being a scapegoat, I think there's potentially some truth behind that. But I, mean, I, I just think, thought of that then. I yeah. <laughs> I think there's also other factors though, like trends. You know, people hear about something and there's always that what if, like fear of missing out. Like if I, you know, for right now, seed oils are like the devil. Everyone hates seed oils. I was in Lombok having dinner with some people and, you know, like lovely person, not a staff at this interview. They just don't know. But they were like asking, we went to steak night, which, you know, like I was like, oh, steak night. Okay, I'll go. This this girl was asking the waiter what oil the beef's cooked in. I'm like, this is Indonesia. She's like, oh, it can't be like a seed oil. I'm like, this is, it's just like, don't worry about these things, you know, <laughs> nail the basics, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, plant fats, 
So things like avocado, nut seeds, a variety in whole foods. If you know that you have high energy demands, don't be afraid to layer on the quote-unquote junk food to make to create a feasible vehicle for you to eat enough calories. And, and like, you know, there's more to it because with nutrition we've got psychology and like other barriers, practical barriers, environmental barriers. But, you know, you don't need to be focusing on, oh, what oil is my steak cooked in? Like these stuff, these things don't matter. Yeah, well, just going back to the psychology part though, you know, maybe it's it's their way of just being like interesting in a way because I know personally a big struggle that I've had um, over the last couple of years is when talking with people, they ask you questions about your diet and what you're eating and what training looks like. And when you nail the basics, it's all just boring as shit. There is nothing fancy about it. You're not telling them this is the, the, the you know, cracking the code by doing this. It's just like, you know what? I prioritize sleep. I have carbs before I work out. I have protein afterwards. Um, that's pretty much about it. And that's not they. That's not what they want to hear. Yeah. I think having these other narratives where it's like, nah, this is the hack to doing this. The it's hack. just so sexy. And it's it makes people interesting that may not necessarily be that interesting. Because nailing the basics is boring and in my mind, the more of the more boring you can be and the more consistent you can be as a person, I think they're the ones that succeed in, in any part of life. Yeah, I'm just trying to think back to my time where I was in that like falling for fads phase on my nutrition journey and yeah, it's hard for me to pinpoint. It really is hard for me to pinpoint why I kept looking for the next thing, like the next supplement or the missing piece of the puzzle. I feel like, yeah, there's a trend appeal involved there, like what's currently cool right now. It's, yeah, the basics being like, oh, that's too simple to be true. Like that's old news. You know, a lot of people think about dietary guidelines as being outdated, you know, and they say the food pyramid, the food pyramid. And it's just like, listen, you champ, it hasn't been a food pyramid for over 10 years. All right. So you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what dietary guidelines are. Okay. And, and I think it's because it's just, it's not, it, do, it doesn't go like things that go against the grain, things that are polarizing, they're appealing. And when you're met with this possibility that doing this one thing, is going to be this massive piece of the puzzle that will, you know, it might, I think a lot of people don't expect it to all, like they know that they still have to quote unquote put in the work, but they think it's just going to accelerate or enhance, you know, and like, <laughs> I feel like we're going to, like this is leading us to me to think about steroids and like steroids are actually something that will have a meaningful yeah, yeah. <laughs> impact. Like they will literally enhance yeah. your gym efforts. <laughs> okay. It's proven, yeah. Yeah, but in nutrition, you know, apart from the basics, there's nothing that does that. Like, there's nothing that will have, like, these steroid-like effects on your ability to lose fat that is legal and safe. (laughs) Well, my next question then, because this is just so common, and it's an issue that I've had myself. What about, though, when you scroll through Instagram, you see someone's real... They're rattling off this this groundbreaking stuff that's going to rapidly make you lose weight or become, you know, a superhuman or, or super healthy. A lot of them are a lot of them are citing research and they're bringing up these studies. And being a PhD candidate myself, I can see that they are just cherry picking these studies to, you know, go with their confirmation bias. But for those who aren't doing a PhD or you know just can't be fucked on their own research. 
how can we distinguish who we sh- who and what we should be listening to when it when it comes to that sort of stuff? I get the frustration with like because I see that carnivore MD guy Paul Saladino. He often does a screenshot of a paper when he makes a claim like seed oils are bad or like whatever it might be, right? There's always a paper. But here's the thing. All because one paper says something doesn't mean that's what the body of evidence says on that particular question. So you might have a research Can you say question. that again? That is so important. Yeah. All because, all because one paper says something, that doesn't mean that's what the body of research also says. So we want to look at the consensus because research has limitations and there are reasons why results might say something that might not be reflective of the truth. There's so many possible areas in research. So this is why we have things like systematic reviews, which take they take one research question, they look at every research paper that answers that question, and there's criteria often like it has to be certain populations or done in a certain way, and then they provide the consensus statement. Now, in a lot of the instances, they'll take one study that fits this narrative and it's conflicting with like, you can have a hundred studies and they're cherry picking the one that for whatever reason has some weird outlier result. And they'll be like, see this study. And the other thing within that is, okay, so not only is that not reflective of the consensus, but also not all studies are created equal. There are lots of different types of studies in, in research. We have observations, we have interventions, we have you know things like just narrative reviews even when it's someone like kind of using their opinion and they'll cite research and kind of make an argument. Uh, we have things in case like case studies, which is just one person. So it's a study in one person. How are you going to control every single variable? How we have studies in animals like rat studies and these, these Paul Saladinos and these people, they're citing very low quality research. Like, oh. It's usually the last two there. It's usually case studies and yeah. then animal studies. It's like, they're the two that are always popping exactly. up. Exactly. And not to throw shade at these studies, but they're not studies that we can use to make conclusive statements. They're studies that we can use to say, maybe we need to like look at this further. Maybe we, we need to go, do studies in humans now to try and get an idea of whether there's any truth behind what we're seeing in this like pilot study in freaking rats. But the thing is, he's like citing a study. See this study done in, you know, it's done in rats in like the 1980s. And, you know, it's it's not worth like, I mean, it's worth something because like I said, it's a pilot study, but it's not worth the paper it's written on if you're then going to try and make conclusive statements. Like, see here, like soy gives you man boobs. in, But not saying like, hey, this was one case study with all these limitations that, conflicts with 99 other studies which say something else and by the way these 99 other studies are much well like better designed and conducted that's why you just need to trust the professionals because they're the ones that have either done the research themselves and have synthesized it themselves or they've been taught what the current body of knowledge says yeah you still got to be so skeptical though because there are like legit dietitians who are just like so rogue uh, it's really hard, you know, how, what to look out for. Uh, it's a really hard one to answer. I'd probably say like if it's polarizing, I, I would say like be a skeptic. If it is polarizing, if it's cutting edge, if it's like clickbaity, almost certainly it's crap. It's, I'm glad you said that because that's the one thing that I've sort of told 
my own family, when they've asked, it's like, how do you know? It's typically the language they're talking in. If they're, you know, and you apologize for it at the start of this podcast, using the terms like maybe and probably and sometimes, like if they're using those terms, it's probably good information because that's what research is telling us. It's very, very rarely definitive. Whereas these other people who are just claiming this out, outrageous shit they're the ones saying you must be doing this this is exactly the way it is so i think sometimes even just the language they use can be a pretty big giveaway but 100 like and also you're not going to sell stuff if you're saying maybe probably there's a high chance or a reasonable chance like imagine if you sold a supplement and it was like let's say it was like something that's new and cutting edge um what's a new cutting edge supplement Oh, like surf science, pre-surf fuel? No, I mean like a bullshit one. <laughs> I'm talking like a bullshit one. Like a, I know, I know. Like a, um, like a... Fuck, there's plenty um, out there. Um, you, you know, like, uh, fuck, all the ones I can think of actually have like, they're actually all right. Oh, carnitine. So not saying carnitine is bullshit, but it's not a fat loss supplement. It's not going to help you lose body fat. Okay. If you, like a researcher would say something like, there is a chance this supplement might help with this. There is some research that shows a possible association. But this study has XYZ limitations. But we're not certain. Yeah. You're not going to sell anything. Yeah. yeah. But if you want to sell your canteen for fat loss, you've got to come out here. You've got to have your shirt off. You've got to look good. You've got to, be, you've got to speak with conviction and say, this is the one thing that you're not doing. And, you know, like it's got to be like that. Otherwise, you ain't going to sell shit. So that's one reason of many why you know legit dietitians and researchers struggle to get any recognition on social media then you have psychiatrists like paul saladino or um rogue gps like dr mark hyman or just like even just athletes who don't have any medical nutrition anything are seen as the top of the top oh it's cutting edge it's a big problem. Oh, mate, and I would, I would really love to even do a whole podcast on that because I think that is so important, and I just really hope that people like that aren't causing too much damage to society. Because you know, I follow a lot of high quality pages, and yet still my newsfeed is full of just garbage. And you know, I don't watch TV at all, but whenever I go home or visit someone's place and see just the shit they have on the news and the morning shows and it's yeah it it's a it's a it's not a shame to see it's it's difficult I can't imagine the position that you're in as a professional in that field to try and give advice with that going on in the background because you know as a strength and conditioning coach by trade there is we get a little bit of that from these gym bro guys that say no nah, this is how you lift properly but like using chains and yeah but i think the nutrition world squatting on a freaking bosu oh, ball mate, and like, yeah that's another whole podcast but um, <laughs> get ollie to talk about that anyway mate what i'd love to sort of finish on here is some really positive positive fuck, positive um practical advice so let's go back to nailing the basics hit ticking off those big rocks um, and I'll pitch to you a little scenario. So let's say it's Friday night. I've got the weekend off work. The forecast is saying four to six foot. It is offshore all day pumping. I 
want to surf all day. I don't want to waste any time. I know there's going to be a big sweep and I want to feel as energized as possible. Let's start with maybe pre-surfing nutrition. What would you say are the big rocks that I should focus on um, going into that Saturday morning and then the, the following Sunday morning? So, well, I think we should actually rewind and go the night before or the day before. So um, we want to think about the four R's, which, you know, that's, that's recovery nutrition. And when we think recovery, we're not thinking about performance, but actually it is because if we recover, we're going to perform better. We want to be as recovered as possible so we can perform. So that's refuel carbohydrates. That's repair protein. Um, that is rest, uh, which can include like the technical thing in the four hours from research is like nutrition before bed. But I'm just going to say just like do things that make you sleep good and get good sleep um, and rehydration. So make sure you're hydrated. So you don't need to think about anything fancy, just like urine color and perceptions of thirst for that. You know, have have like a, a, a carb containing dinner, big bowl of pasta. Um, make sure that you're reasonably well hydrated throughout the day. You don't need to go over top of it. Just be like, do I feel like I'm, you know, just... I'm not dehydrated. That's all you want to think about. Morning, there's another four principles or checkboxes. Comfort, fueling, caffeine, and hydration. So comfort and hydration are the big one, the big ones. Um, so comfort involves not eating anything that's going to upset your stomach or make you feel heavy and bloated. Like you're not going to smash a whole tray of lasagna half an hour before you surf. Okay. So typically you want to go something that is high fiber. So that's the fueling part. You want some, oh, sorry, not high fiber, high carb. You want to go low fiber, low fiber, because that's the comfort side of things. Okay, fat's relatively low. So an example could be, you know, like a big bowl of cereal with some fruit and some skim milk um, for brekkie, something like that. And the cereal doesn't need to be like Cocoa Pops or anything. You know, you could still have wheat beaks, but if you know that you're going to surf whole day, I'd probably have like wheat beaks with a ton of honey and like juice with it as well to bump up those carbs without adding too much fiber. Can we do just on the carbs? Because that's, and once again, going back to my time at the markets, talking with surfers, that's been really valuable because they give you, you know, the exact sort of feedback you need. Uh, nearly every single surfer that has approached the tent, the first thing they look for in the product is, is the sugar and the carbs. And the way they ask about it is like it's the freaking devil. And if it's got lots of carbs, it's a bad product. If it's got no carbs, it's a good product. So you're saying that carbohydrate is an important thing to have prior. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you would know this with exercise metabolism. As soon as your heart rate gets beyond a certain threshold, the contribution of glucose to the contraction of muscles. So like fuel in a car, you know, imagine if you have a hybrid car, you've got a Toyota Prius, it runs off electricity as well as petrol. And the harder you put the foot down, when it, when you put the foot down, it needs to go for the fuel that will deliver the power and deliver it fast enough. And the carbs is like the petrol. Whereas, um, so that's the fuel that we're going to use when we want to put the foot down. When, when, when we're going to go, you know, we're exercising, we're pushing, we want the thing that will provide the return and it's glucose, it's carbohydrates, all the same thing, by the way, you know, technically sort of, there's a bit of nuance, but really, you know, should people worry about how much sugar is in it, how much carbs in it? It's just like, just in, in an athlete, for an athlete, at least like you don't need to differentiate, just go. So you want glucose, you want it to be readily available. You want it to be stored in your muscles. You want it to be stored in your liver and you also want a bit float, floating in the bloodstream. So the carbs the night before, that'll have your, your muscle fuel tanks stored. That'll have that sorted. 
um, the morning, you're just topping it up. And then you want to go low fiber for comfort. You don't want too much fat because that's going to get in the way of comfortable digestion. You want to consume foods that are comfortable and familiar. You don't want to have things that you know, you've never had because there could be a chance that you get all bloated and feeling heavy and start shitting yourself or you know, farting all over the place. You don't want that. Then caffeine, if it's the morning, that can give you a boost, but be careful. We want to not compromise comfort and, of course, hydration. If you're a really active person, you're about to hammer yourself, you know you're going to surf for four hours plus, don't be afraid of like liquid-containing beverage, uh, calorie-containing beverages, sports drinks. So they're sort of the things you want to think about pre-surf, post-surf. And just one more thing on the pre, because um, I've, once again, had a lot of people talk about the uh, caffeine side of things, and they always go back to the same argument where if you have caffeine or even carbs it has the same effect it makes you peak really quickly and then you crash and burn so then you don't surf well for you know after half an hour what do you sort of say to people that have that sort of sort of argument tough one to answer um so i think this is where a more mixed meal approach would be prudent so like a meal that has some fats and some protein in it to provide like kind of slow down the rate a bit um, it could also be that the actual amount of food isn't enough. Um, but also, like, don't feel like topping up is a bad thing. Like, if you feel like you go up and go down, feed yourself. Have more. This is why This is why endurance athletes are consuming gels. They're not just going like, oh, I had, I had toast before my run. Oh, I'm six hours in and I'm like, I can't even walk. It's like, well, because you've got to feel – <laughs> Fill the tank up as you go because you're 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 emptying it, bro. Um, no, that's that's a great answer. Yeah, yeah. and if you're yeah. surfing for four hours, obviously, like you can't really take a meal out with you. So, but like if you're coming in, you know, you, that's your chance to top up. So it's then it comes back to the four hours. Yep. It's replenish. So that's the carbohydrates replenishing what you use. Those fuel tanks are slightly to you know you've, they're not at full. You want to top that up. Um, or the battery's not full, you want to top up that battery with the carbohydrates, repairing tissue, protein, okay? Uh, and resting, just chilling out. Obviously, you know, if you're going to surf again and it's the middle of the day, you're not going to sleep. Um, so you're just, just chilling out. Um, rehydration. So we like we want to maintain fluid balance. So we're, we're at this balance point of how much fluid is in the body, essentially. Um, we also There's also some nuance around things like electrolytes or sodium and, and what have you but that's what you need to know get the fluid in make sure your urine's clear make sure you don't feel thirsty give yourself a bit of a break and maybe have a small snack before your next surf with carbs and off you go okay and it's just a rinse and repeat and you want to have that confidence to adjust how much you eat based on how much you've exercised it's easier said than done and sometimes people will convince themselves that they need to eat more when they don't actually so this is where like having a nutritionist or a sports dietitian can be helpful, but if you are an athlete or just someone who wants to take it a bit more seriously. But, you know, I, you know there is in, internal hunger and fullness cues. Like you can listen to them and you can act upon them. If you get out from a surf and it's like 11 a.m. and you've just surfed for four hours and you are starving, there's a reason why you're starving. Go and eat, bro. Like and get the carbs in. There's a reason why after a big day of surfing, all you want is like a massive bowl of pasta or a pizza or a, a burrito. Like after a day of surfing, people don't come in and for dinner think, I would feel like a, a light meal, like, you know, something really fresh, like a salad. You don't hear people say that shit. 
You've just been surfing all day. No one's going to come in and say, I really want like a nice garden salad, you know, with some, with some, some, some beans in it. No, it's like freaking get me spag bowl. Let's go. And I'm happy. If they say it, they're full of shit anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> so. This is the thing. Like, yes, they can uh, internal hunger and fullness cues can be misleading, but listen to them. They can help you. Love that, mate. Look, I am very cautious of time. Um, one last question that I am going to ask all the guests that come on the show, and I got this question from. Um, a podcast that I was on recently with the lads at the Montana Project. So, so shout out to those guys. Um, the question is, if you had a billboard that everybody could see, what would it say? Jeez, oh, you know, you asked, obviously I've seen this question. I, I didn't have an answer when I have, still don't have an answer. I'm just going to say this. So I always like using this phrase, protein and plants, for I think general health. And even for an athlete, like the, the foundation, remember I was talking about the foundation of the diet should be whole foods. So the foundation of the diet should still be, um, it should be protein and plants. I feel that is a constant for all people really. So I would probably just put like something about protein and plants, like this slogan, it's a phrase to eat by, you know? And the other reason I'd put it on as a billboard is because so many freaking people say it. And it's like, you say it because I said it and you're not giving me any credit, you copycat. No, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I put on the billboard. I love it. <laughs> that's it. That's that's awesome. I, I'd probably just, yeah, that's all I've got. Yeah. I could say something like, make sure you use nutrition to help you live your best life or, you know, do what makes you happy and let food contribute to that or something real mm. philosophical. No, I'm just it, saying. I like that. It's in your own words, it's a good tool in the toolbox. Like that's just a really good summary to that is practically um, usable for, for yeah. I think that's anyone. a good starting point for everyone. Like yep. if you focus on protein and plants, there's a high likelihood that you will be prov- you're providing your body with most of the nutrients that it needs to do all things that it wants to do. Um, if you're a non-athlete, it's probably going to help you manage your weight because it's naturally going to help you control your calories. Um, if a, an athlete, and I'm not saying just eat protein and plants, that's really important. Okay, especially for an athlete. Okay, but I'm just saying that's the foundation. That's where you start. That's your like your core and then you build the meal out from there. Yeah, amazing, mate. Awesome advice. And look, mate, everything you've mentioned today has been super valuable and I'm sure everyone at home um, definitely agrees. I just simply love the fact that you've invested in your own personal development as a health practitioner and you've also invested in your own happiness and fulfillment through creating this lifestyle that allows you to to travel and surf and do the things that you love every single day because yeah in my eyes that is the definition of being stoked so i just really really respect that um and to any of the listeners if you feel like you have aligned with max philosophy and are possibly interested in in working with him, feel free to reach out and get in touch. We can organize a free discovery call to discuss your goals or whatever you're wanting to um, improve or achieve. I personally think Mac has more to offer than any other professional currently out there, especially when it comes to surfing nutrition. Uh, He's literally one of the only people I've ever met who is a qualified nutritional practitioner and who is also a true surfer. And so by also combining this sort of client-centered approach that he takes, he 
understands and can actually empathize with, you know, the unique lifestyle constraints that come with being a surfer. So if you are a surfer looking for any advice or any nutritional coaching or help, um, yeah, Mac is the ultimate man to work with. So if you guys do have any questions, don't be afraid to hit us up on socials at Stoked Nutrition or at Mackenzie Baker with an underscore. Both of us are more than happy to help uh, wherever we can. So Mac, as usual, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat. I am so grateful to have you involved in the business and am stoked to have you on the podcast. So yeah, thanks again. Thanks, mate. Well, I'll tell you what, after that outro, my ego... <laughs> is through the roof and I'll Calm be down. good for probably what is it today it's Wednesday I'll probably be good until the weekend before I'll need another hit so I'll give you a top up later I might need a bit of a top up but thank you for that it's very kind and um, mate at the end of the day you're the one doing the PhD not me um, so yeah it's pretty humbling to hear that from someone who's clearly you're not here to mess around and you're not here for the the, the cozy chat although i say this is a bit of a cozy chat today this has isn't been it? so cozy yeah <laughs> anyhow thank you listeners uh thank you for listening and, and if you've gotten this far through the episode i appreciate the patience patience uh hope you hope you don't hate me and uh i hope you got some value from this thank you thanks for listening to another episode of the flow performance podcast I hope you enjoyed the chat and found loads of value that you can use to fuel more flow state in your life. If you did enjoy the content and want to support the podcast, don't forget to give it a five-star rating, leave a review, or even better, share it to a mate, post it up on your Instagram story, and tag Flow Performance Podcast. We really do appreciate any support in getting this content out into the world. So thanks again for tuning in and we will catch you again next week.